hired hand is not a shepherd. Not the owner of the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and he flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because his hired hand is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my own. And my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up. This commandment I received from my Father. Father, we bless you, Father, for who you are. We thank you that, Father, the purpose that you have done and brought forth, Father, in the fullness is Jesus Christ. There's nothing left that he needs to do. He's done it all. And, Father, I thank you that he intercedes for us right now. It says he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's left nothing incomplete. But he is like cheering for you. He is like believing in you. And he is like investing in you. And so what he's looking for, he's not looking for you to say, I will try. He's not looking for you to say, I promise. He's looking for you to just turn around and look him in the eye. That's all he's asking. Just turn. Turn and the learning becomes complete. Turn. And the circumstances have to bow their knee to him. Just turn. Just find him in turning. And what you'll find, whether you've been around him a long time or whether you're brand new, you'll find that that turning, that you'll look into his face and you think he's going to come after you for what you've done wrong. And yet he sees his hands with the nails, scars in them, and he sees a heart that he's redeemed. And he brings about, Father, that fullness of who you are to bring about a people that are alive for him, a people that aren't afraid a people that find themselves loving when they should be hating. A people that are, have substance, a sustainability, and have life in themselves. Jesus says, the words that I speak are spirit and life. Amen. And that's where he's at, and that's what he's doing. And he's making intercession through you. You thought today somebody was on your mind because they've done you wrong, or because you're just worried about them, or because they don't seem to want to change. Listen. God's using you as a vessel of intercession for that complete work. He's, he's using you to stand in the place of the now for that person and that people. It doesn't matter how impossible it is. It doesn't matter how much the devil has wheeled in. Because Jesus doesn't concern itself with the devil because the devil has nothing in him. And so, Father, we just thank you, Father, for your testimony. We thank you, Father, for your presence. We thank you, Father, what you've begun, what you've started, you're going to finish. Yes. And so for today, that we would be the people. That if Jesus today says, do you know me? We'd raise our hand and we would say, yes, Lord, I know you. So, Lord, we bless you for this. We thank you, God. We lift this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, Amen Pastor. John 10 is a passage of absolute knowing. And he knows who belongs to him. And he knows them. He 
knows it. And sometimes we try to look at our knowing Him by looking at ourselves. Bad idea. You can't see yourself or evaluate yourself and then reflect upon how much He knows you. Reflect upon in terms of kind of how close you are to Him. Can't do it. We try, okay? But there needs to be a great uh, uh, firing of ourselves in terms of comparing ourselves with ourselves in regard to Him knowing us. I want you to turn today uh, to, <laughs> turn to, the, to the book of what? What? Shocking, right? Uh, when you go home and open your Bibles, it fall open to Ephesians. <laughs> This, this learning of Christ, um, it can't be had by the laying on of hands. The laying on hands know Jesus. It starts with a choice that we make to turn around to Him. Even when in your lives, and I don't know in my life, when I knew God was pursuing me, I mean, I couldn't figure it out at first. I didn't know what was going on. But it became evident that you know, God's looking for me. And I kept thinking, what's he want me to do? What's he want, how's he want me to do this? What, what would it look like if I responded to him? What would, I, what would I actually do? What would I go through so he would know for sure that I'm recognizing? What, do I stand? Do I kneel? Okay? Do I lay on my side? All right? Do I, do I uh, volunteer at the soup kitchen? I mean, how is he going to know? All I said, looking for a man and then turn around. Turn around. Just turn. Maybe you can't even open your eyes sometimes. <laughs> but just turn. But this passage in Ephesians, man, this is so huge. Because up until now, we've been looking at, man, the amazement, the amazing words that have happened. Because Paul is, is reflecting in that first chapter that he's seen faith in these Ephesians. He's seen faith. How do you see faith? Do you, your eyes sparkle, you know? Uh, you have this kind of wispy, heavenly look. How does he know? What does he see? He sees you relying upon him instead of you. That's what he sees. The woman that comes and touches the hem of his garment, remember that? Trapped in, in, in illness for 12 years, going to physicians, doing the MRI, doing the PET scan of that day, Spending money to get better. She got worse. And yet one day Jesus going by, what does she say? If I could just touch the hem of his garment. Isn't that kind of a crazy thing to do? Isn't that some, some small little thing? The hem of his garment. She didn't say I needed to talk to him. Maybe have some counseling time. Or she, man, she, she wasn't just desperate. But this kind of turning that she did was unique to, to, to this point in her life. That turning was, man, I don't want to bother him. I don't want to upset his day. I don't want to confuse him about what he's, he's such a busy guy. He's a busy guy. You know, I'm just going to go and maybe just touch the hem of his garment. Maybe he wouldn't notice. But maybe it's something that would change my life. Isn't that a great story? I love the story of Johnny and Vicky, how they got the first Christian church. Johnny asked early Thomas, hey, do you know any church in town where they hold hands when they pray? 
That's kind of an edge of the garment moment, isn't it? <laughs> really? Right? Nowhere in the Bible does it say if you hold hands, that's a better church than if you don't hold hands. Right? But it's this point of faith. And it really says, yeah, I know a church in town. It's the first Christian church, man. They sometimes hold hands when they pray. So there they come. You know, they, didn't, they didn't meet anybody at Starbucks. This was pre-Starbucks. You know, they talk about... Uh, But there was this place that there was this connection between faith in this turning. Faith sees something that we haven't experienced. Faith sees something that there's no evidence that it's going to change. You know, John and Jamie are in this place where, man, they're going forward. So, I mean, they're doing great. Are they doing great? Do you love these people? Do you love these kids? We love them, don't we? And yet, man, it's like, man, they turn around and here's this thing, or here's this thing. Tony Wilson and his family, man, here's this thing, here's this thing. Man, this boy, he's standing tough for them. John, uh, Jamie and John, standing tough in faith. And it's the little turning. That's all he's asking for. Turn to me. Some of us get so used to the grind of things that don't change. We get used to the grind. And man, we say, man, Lord, I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to hang in there. And he says, I'm not hanging in there. I'm not hanging in there with you. Follow me. Amen. Go with me where I'm going in this. Well, Lord, I've tried. No, go with me. Mm -hmm. Stop it. Stop bringing to mind again all the former things to try to predict your now or predict your future. Let go of them. Because faith pleases God. And this point of which, man, we're in this place and in this book of Ephesians, where now we're the, the amazement of that prayer in that first chapter. Paul said, Man, I'm going to pray for you guys. Man, about this revelation of the mystery of Christ, about this uh, who he is, and that reflects upon what who he sees you as. And this faith. He goes on to say, Man, you know what? All of this, them and us, Man has been ruined in Christ. He wrecked it. He wrecked enmity. You got enmity in your life? You're trying to recreate something he fixed. He took care of enmity. He took care of, hey, there's us and them. We live in a country that loves all that right now. We, we love it. We love to get angry. Uh, if somebody you know, just pulls in front of or they look like they're going to pull in front of us. And all of a sudden, they're the idiot. They're the, you know, we're instantly against them. We don't, we don't know what's going on. I remember a, a Charlie Patsy years ago. Man, he, ha he has like a he has like a like a little heart attack while he's driving. And this big old car, this you know, uh, he liked big old cars, you know. And uh, man, he's swerving all over the road. Emily's on the other side trying to grab the wheel on I twenty five. And the people that went by, I'm like, what is wrong with you? Are you an idiot? What's, what's happening? You can't drive. You didn't know what was going on. You don't know what's going on inside that other car. It begins this, to be this God working in our lives in such a way that enmity, man, is wrecked. Here's this third chapter which says, you know what? This work of Christ has brought about what? But man, you are his workmanship. You are you're his workmanship. And then we're in this fourth chapter where he talks about, no, 
that he's given gifts so that what? You may experience the whole character of Christ. And we're at this, we're at this place. Luke did a good job doing the verses in chapter 4, doing 17, 18, 19. Talks about this man. He's commanding them, man, that you no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Listen, we all know the Gentile walk. All right? You remember the hip walk where it's kind of like this, you limp on one side, okay? Or <laughs> well, the white man's over by when we're dancing, okay? We, we, we know the walk, okay? We know what that looks like. <laughs> hey, in terms of dancing, the overbite's the only thing I got, so let's not take it totally away. <laughs> He's talking about that, man, this, this, this command of saying, man, they're the futility of their mind. And he talks about being darkened in their understanding and excluded from the life of God, ignorance. Folks, these are people he's warning that you've come out of that life. Don't make way for it to come back. You're not going to have to sit around and just worry about the darkness that wants to come at you. If we turn to look at Christ, let's just stay there. Because from looking at him, we're going to see what he's looking at. From being with him, we're going to learn him. And what? We can even learn from those who are looking at it. And that learning becomes something that makes it into our behavior. It makes it into our attitude. It makes it into our character. It makes it into every human interaction that we have. But here's the verse. Man, I'm sorry. We're not going to get past seven or eight little words here today. We're just not. I'd like to say we're, I got, listen, I got told at Denver, Rick, this week you went too fast. I haven't been accused of that since Jimmy Carter was president, right? You're going too fast. It's this verse 20, man, let's just, let's just look at this for a little bit. Let's just camp there just for a little bit. He says to them in the midst of this sandwich, this is like the meat of this sandwich between the first three verses, 17 through uh, 19, and what comes after this in 21 down to the end of 24. This is this, this is the, this is the, I don't know what you like in the middle of your sandwich, right? I used to do this when I was a kid. I would get two pieces of Wonder Bread, and I'd go to the fridge and I'd get a bottle of ketchup, and that poured out in the middle, bang, best sandwich ever, Awesome. I know you're going to run home and try. He says that the, 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 in the meat, the PBJ of the inside of the sandwich are these words. But you did not learn Christ in this way. I'll tell you what, man, I've looked at this for years. And every time I look at it, it's like a freshening. It's just like a refreshment as you look at it. Because we can't compare to another way that he's, that he's confronting unless we have this what? This learning of him. We can't know the contrast of, of falling backward if we don't know him. Because then we're just guessing. Right? We're just evaluating our performance. Did you ever go a day without a quiet time and felt bad? Like, oh man, I fell backwards. Okay, something's wrong. I'll tell you what. 
I'll tell you what, man, you need to cut that out. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have a quiet time every day. It just means you can't say about who Jesus is. Not reflecting on yourself. You can't reflect upon a finished work when you have some evidence in your own thinking that it's not finished. That it's yet to be completed because of your performance. I'll tell you, it wrecks you. It'll wreck you. It'll make you so self-conscious that all you'll be wrestling with is you. And you'll be so worn out from wrestling with you, you'll pass by the person you need to talk to that day. You'll pass by. You won't even see him. So let's look at this. But you did not learn. Let's look at learning Christ. What's it look like? I want you to go with me to Hebrews 5. Five, yeah. Hebrews 5. Wow. The, the trees, man, these guys are on it. Right? They offer me every week, do you want to use the clicker? <laughs> it seems silly, but I really don't. Okay. Now this is talking about Jesus. It says, in the days of his flesh, he offered both prayers and supplication with a loud crying and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was hurt because of his piety. Jesus learned in being on this earth that he could turn to the Father. He's showing us how to learn in this turning. Although he was a son, although he was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. If he's God in the flesh, what in the world does he have to learn? He's not learning obedience because he's been disobedient. He's learning obedience in suffering. Listen, God only has one son that was on earth without sin. But he has every son and daughter that no suffering. Every son and daughter. Because there's something about suffering for and in the middle of and in regard to a resistance that really there is the operation of this muscle of learning Christ. This knowledge of Christ, folks, works in the rough and tumble. It works in the hard and difficult. It works when relationships we can't get at them. Did you ever have a relationship that, man, just keeps you up night and day? Because you don't know what was you can't get at anymore. It's, it's changed. And you want to be mad at them at some time. And you want to just say, well, throw up your hands at other times. But you, they just won't get off your mind. That is the way Jesus thinks. He thinks that way about you and me. He's not satisfied. He takes pleasure in the death of no man. He's not satisfied with our seeing impossible things. What we need to find is that we need to change our thinking that comes from a learning of him. Listen, we can look today at David, and we can look at Jephthah, and we can look at Paul, but today we're looking at Jesus. He is the image, and he is the way, and he is the truth and the life. He's showing us how to handle things, even in this passage I shared with you from, from John 10. At the end of sharing this with people, they were so mad at him because he made himself equal to God. He was sharing this with a hostile crew. He was sharing this with people who already had a preconceived idea 
about who God was and how the Messiah was going to come and a hundred other layers. And yet he did not fail to say, listen, don't you ever be afraid of this world. Ever. Don't you ever be afraid of them. Or it. Or whatever it is, the culture. Man, don't be afraid of them. Because I'll tell you what. It's not that we have to go out there and puff our chest up and we're, we're going to go witness for them. Right? You're already witnessing to them every day. But what God wants you to do is add language to your witnessing. I have some people say, well, it's just your lifestyle. But it's not. You have to say it. You have to bring to these circumstances something about Him. You think they don't want to hear. Listen, our whole world can't stand Christians. But they don't know Christ. And that is a problem. That He learned obedience by the things He suffered. See, and having been made perfect, I thought He was perfect. See, until Christ came to the world, he already knew, he already knew, God already knew people were sinners, didn't he? And here's this, this, this part of the Father that's here, the Son that's here. Man, he what? He put himself in a submissive relationship with his Father. Didn't he? He said, okay, your will be done, man, not mine. Jesus is breaking ground for us in how it looks to learn it. Learning him, folks, looks just like him. Because what we're learning is not behavior, and then it's modified by our own thinking. What we're operating out of is a changed heart. We're operating out of a freedom from a sin nature. Are you ever happy about that? Or are you still struggling that, that you got one and you got to always struggle? Listen, there was a time in your life, in my life, in the lifetime of every human being, where we were more convinced of our sin nature than of our reborn nature. And we keep referring back to it, referring back to, well, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, you are, but you're a sinner saved by grace. It's how you, it's how you approach Him in this. It's out of what? Our weakness. That's where power is perfected. Listen, vulnerability, folks, is the character of Christ. It is. And having been made, in verse 9 of this Hebrews 5, and having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. What? He became a source. Back in, the, back in the olden times when I was backpacking and, and with kids in the church and kids in the community, and we had a team of people, a crew of leadership with these kids, we were hiking up in the Wind River Range in Wyoming. It was the first time we ever took a trip there. We knew the map. We'd been near it, but we'd never been in it. And, man, we're hiking, and, man, and we had a llama with us, all right? Uh, I had an official llama pilot hat. I mean, it was a whole thing, all right? I didn't grow up around llamas. I just thought, man, for junior high kids, man, let's get them. And we did. Had to learn llamas. And we're going up this trail, man, and this river that was right here. And we got to the river, what was happening? It was dried up. And you know how your so, mouth is so dry that I was chewing gum, and the, the gum was like disintegrating in my mouth. And these kids who'd never been 10 feet away from a Coke or 
you know, Pepsi or someplace, you know, some other thing, okay? Man, they thought they were what? Dying in the wilderness. The llama got, llamas are like camels. They can go and go and go. The llama was like, I'm not doing it. Lay down. Alright? If you want to drag a llama, it's a real tough thing. And so we had to hide to this other area. Man, it was a ways. And yet, when we got to the stream, they could hear it. And so the pace picked up, all right? And they get close to it, and they're, they're kind of jogging. You know, you jog with a backpack, you're kind of like, yeah, it's not pretty. Okay, all right? And we get to this river, and I stopped them. I said, whoop, whoop. Man, sit down with me a second. And they're thinking, later, we'll sit down. Nope, right now, let's sit down. They looked at me, and like, what are we doing? I said, you know what? In, in 15 seconds, you're going to forget you're thirsty. Why don't we just sit down and, man, why don't we just be grateful for 15 minutes? Put your Bibles out, man, it's just worship. Let's just thank Him for this provision. And, man, it, it, it began to what? It began to change our thinking. You know, there's something about this, this place here. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah 50, uh, verse 5 and 6. Probably not going to be up on the screen. Poor Teresa, I take away and I add, it's hard to keep up. This is a, a prophet talking about Jesus centuries before he arrived. And it says, the Lord God has opened my ear. And, is not, and, and I was not disobedient, nor did I what? Turn back. See, when you turn to him, don't turn back. Nor did I turn back. I gave my back. This is Christ. I gave my back to those who strike me, and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spit. Of all the inhabitants of earth, the one who least deserved to be spit on is Jesus Christ. And yet, not only did he endure it, he allowed it. What Christ came to do was to deliver us from us. To deliver us from death. To deliver us from the grave. To deliver us from this sentence that was put on us by, by Adam's choice. He came to destroy it. He came to wreck it. Man, don't resurrect this. Do not visit the graveyard of your ancient life and take flowers and talk about, man, all this was so cool to do. All that it did was slow us down. All it did was distract us. Hebrews 12.3 says this, For consider him who has endured such hostility from, sin, from sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Him and us. Us is him and us. That's the us. It's not me and Jesus. It's him and me. It's the us. The me part of life has ceased. The body of Christ is him and me and us. It's the us. He's defining what it means. We have Christians seeking identity apart from knowing Christ. Starting at that end of the equation, trying to work it toward knowing Christ, it will not work. 
We have to know who we are by knowing Him. And we'll never have to say, that is my quest. Because Jesus Christ is not something that gets me to me. Jesus Christ is something that gets me to the Father. And this reconciliation that takes place is so complete, I lose the necessity for me to be something. And I find myself totally everything in Him. Amen. Apart from Christ, I can do what? Nothing. But in Christ, I can do what? Let's do some all things, folks. Let's do some all things. Now, I'm not saying get busy. John 7, 14 says this. Oh, man. We're not even going to get through these eight words. Or I didn't count them, right? John 7, 14 says this. But when it was now the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began to, pre and began to teach. His brothers, his own household, were ridiculing him because they said, why don't you go up to the feast and, and show, if you want to be something, why don't you go where all the people is, do your little tap dance, and man, you know what, they're going to see you for something special. And Jesus said, no, nah, man, it's not my time. So the brothers go up, and he waited, he went when it was the right time. Verse 15 says, the Jews then were astonished, saying, how has this man been, become learned, having never been educated? Jesus learned from the Father, and there's where his learning came. So Jesus answered them and said, my teaching is not mine. I'm not trying to find my identity in the world. But his who sent me. If anyone is willing to do his will, he'll know. Are you willing to do his will? Because that's the knowing. Are you willing to turn and look him in the face? Or maybe you can't get there yet, man. You know what? I usually die for the feet first, okay? And you not only see him never get to the place where that's just all you want to spend looking at Jesus, because he will rebuke you. He looked to the Father. He prayed to the Father. He fed the thousands on the hillside after his exhausted disciples had made it to that point and they had been a part of feeding them. It says, after the people had gone their way, and been dismissed, Jesus took the disciples. He went up on the hill and dismissed his disciples and got them in the boat going. He went up on the hill and did what? He prayed to the Father. Do you want that kind of energy? Do you want it? Do you want that kind of capacity? Because that's the learning of him. Right back here, Jim, it's his birthday today. All right. So make, make sure you go back and harass him a little bit. Right. Jim could do lots of other things on a Sunday morning besides nap here. He could do it, okay? <laughs> All right? But it comes here. You know why it comes here? Because, man, he knows we're going to preach the word. And he knows that the people are going to notice him. He knows that there's a connection. And there's fellowship. If anyone is willing to do his will, if you look at him, you're going to see what? He's not just staring at you. He's looking at what he's interested in. He said, Jesus says, you know what? I'm here. My teaching is not my, my own. If anyone is willing to do his will, he'll know. 
Sometimes, folks, we get so busy going after green fruit, we wonder why we have no success. Let's go for the right fruit. Let's go for what God enlightens you to. But that, that comes from knowing Him. He said, if anyone knows, is, is willing to do His will, he'll know. He will know the teaching, whether it is from God or whether I speak of myself. I'll tell you what, a lot of times when we talk to people, they don't know if it's us or them. It needs to be something where they know this is God helping them. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. He who speaks from himself seeks his own worth, his own identity. But it's like so frail, isn't it? Once you think you're okay, once you think you're doing good, what happens? You trip over something very small. You trip over something that shouldn't have tripped you up. He who speaks of himself seeks his own glory. He who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, and he's true. And there is no unrighteousness there. See, the kind of success God wants you to have up there is Hannah. He wants to have you have the kind of success where 60 years from now, you'll be able to say, man, that was God. Dick Benjamin, I told you I visited him. Julia and I did when we were in Alaska. This is a guy who been very influential to me for my Christian life, right? I got a note yesterday, man. He passed away yesterday morning. And so I sent a little note to, to some guys that didn't, I didn't know if they knew and they did not. And all of them, all of them said, wow, or amazing, or whoa. And then they all said, now he's in his reward. Now he's in glory. Now, man, they were happy for him. All of them said that. Why? Because that is in our heart, too. It's in our heart. See, if we're here, man, we're not here for us. We're here for them. And in being here for them, for them, it says we get everything. If you seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and he'll add everything. But seek it as he would seek it. We can learn from others. Philippians 4, 9. It says, finally, brethren, whatever is true and Whatever is honorable, uh, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is a good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And isn't that a quoted verse? We quote that all the time. It's a, it should be quoted. But then he goes to verse 9 says, The things you've learned, received, heard, seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. What? You mean... I can't just be in Jesus? No, it's not you and Jesus. It's not. It's not just you and Jesus. It's not. See, when that woman went and touched the hem of Jesus' garment, she didn't really know who he was, for sure. And when she touched the hem of his garment, what happened? He stopped to pray. And, and Jesus says to the guys, you know, they're in the crowd, they're like this, moving through the crowd. Just pushing on Jesus, they get pushed on, they're moving through the crowd. And Jesus says what? Somebody touched me. And the disciples, they didn't say it, but they brought to say this. Everybody touched you. Who didn't touch you? Let's find that person. And he said, no, man, I felt power go out of me. And he waited. And she was like, she was like, man, I hope he just moves on. 
Because she knew in herself that she was well, she was healed. What are you reaching for today, folks? What are you reaching for? What is faith, the faith that he's giving you, what is it reaching for? Man, it only is valuable when you're reaching for him, even if you don't know him that well. You're reaching for him, and then she touched the hem of that garment, and so finally she knows she's got to say something. So she says, well, this, man, this is what happened, okay? This is why I did it. And what does he say to her? Woman, you're what? Persistence? Woman, your brokenness? Woman, your, your need to be needed? He said, your faith has made you well. Faith can be seen. Fruit producing, Colossians 1, starting in verse 3, actually. It says, We give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ and the love, and sound, it sounds like the first chapter of Ephesians, which you have for all saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, just as in the world, uh, all, just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing uh, in you, in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from what Epaphras. All right, nobody talks about Epaphras. Nobody names their kid Epaphras. Okay, this is our son Epaphras. <laughs> And then the people feel bad for you. Okay? I met a kid, Debra, comes to the work down there. His name's Zadok. And people think, oh man, your people, your folks were in like Star Trek or something? No, Zadok's a priest in the Old Testament. That's the first Zadok I've ever met. What a cool, what a cool conversation piece his name is. Much better than Rick Richter. It was like, what? what was wrong with your parents? See, there's this bearing fruit. Listen, you're afraid to grow. You're afraid to grow. You're afraid to grow. You're afraid what it takes to grow. You are. You are. You are. You are. You are. You're afraid. Because it seems like it's hard. And the years have been tough. Bear fruit. Bear fruit. Best. suffering is not what? Like little chunks are taken out of you. Your suffering is not that oh, pretty soon you don't want to do it anymore because it hurts so much. Get past that. Go that next step. Turn to Him in the midst of the place where you want to quit and you want to give up and you want somebody else to do it and you just want to have your weekend free and you want to have a boat and you want to mow your lawn. You want to have something that the world has because you think they have a benefit you don't have. It convinces us folks, don't tell me you haven't thought like that. But in that suffering, Paul says back in Philippians, he says, man, that I might what? I want to know him. I want to know him in the resurrection. I want to know him in the fellowship of his, but what? And the fellowship of his suffering. What did Jesus accomplish through his suffering? Save the world. Hey, you saved the world. Does your world, your family, does it need saving? Well, the salvation is already happening. It's already happening. Lean on it. Lean on it. 
Put both feet on it. Listen, if you're struggling with building the house, go back to what the house is built on. Go back to that foundation. Look at it. Look at it. Because it says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to what? The rock that's higher than I. See, the foundation of your house isn't down. The foundation of his house is up. You've got to look up. You've got to get your eyes off the trial and the struggle and the bill that's due and the, 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 the person that you wanted to help and they just kind of fritter away from you. You've got to get your eyes off of that. Get your eyes turned. Turn, turn, turn. back and we're landing the airplane right now. Right now. And you're saying, hallelujah, brother. Back to verse 20. It says, man, you, but you did learn Christ. You did learn Christ. It's past tense, folks. You learned Christ. But you didn't learn him in the way of going backwards. That's what he's saying. You didn't learn him by going backwards. You didn't learn by letting those things kind of seep in. You didn't learn by anxiety coming back. You didn't learn him by getting into the thinking that's prevalent in our life. You didn't learn that way. We can only get to this verse when we know we learn him. Do we have more to learn in him? Absolutely. But we'll never have to unlearn something about him because it was incorrect or faulty. Let's get ready to do our, our offering. I was going to say our little offering. I thought, man, let's have a huge one. <laughs> well, we're going to spend a little time. I, I, mean, I really been appreciating so much the body ministry that takes place. You know, the, the altar call is great. And uh, you're certainly always welcome to come to the altar. Always. Always welcome to come to the altar. But sometimes the altar is the person that's sitting next to you. I guarantee you, man, you give something away when you're in need. Right? You don't earn anything. You're just that. When you learn him, you'll do stuff like that. Wow, this is a good crew here. Did you get, were, you, were you too chosen for your likeness and height? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. We thank you that, Father, all of us have bank accounts, refrigerators. I'm asking that every one would be full. Because, Father, this is a generous people. They are. They are generous people. They will give their, their, their last pork chop to somebody else. They will. And, Father, that part means that, Father, there is... Uh, Jesus said, if, if, uh, God says in Malachi, he said, man, test me in this. Test me in this. Test me with your, your, your bank account. Test me with those things that you hold as precious. Test me with them and see if I won't pour out a blessing. Man, it's the only place in the Bible he says test me. He says, man, test me in the Why? Because something has to make us cross that line. But it's not, Father, because we've got to give or God hates us when we don't give. No, we begin to give all I can because we've learned him. And then, Father, whatever you put in my hand, I'm not going to grab down on it and say, oh, God, save this for next week. Save it for next year. Or what, Lord, whatever you put in my hand, you're welcome to. Because it all belongs to you. So, Father, we just thank you, Father, for our offering of our hearts. We thank you, Father, for the offering, Lord, 
of, uh, of, of our money to the 